0: Welcome to another episode of Strata Shorts. My name is Thomas Schreiber, and I'm the Director of Marketing here at Strata. Strata is a single EMR platform and revenue cycle management service for physical, occupational, and speech therapy practices helps you achieve a 99.99% reimbursement rate. On today's episode, I'm joined by Paul Singh, the CEO of Strata, and we'll be diving deep into Strata's benchmark data reports that are now live on site, how this data can help your clinic grow and expand. Plus, we'll talk about the biggest challenges owners face going from three clinics to upwards of seven or even 10 clinics. If you'd like to learn more about Strata, head over to stratapt.com or email us at hello at stratapt.com. Now, without further delay, here's today's episode. So, Paul, let's start with the project that we've been working on the last couple of weeks and the last couple of months, really, which is this aggregate data that we're composing at Strata and, and basically going to give away for free to anyone who wants it. Give a little insight into what that's going to be and then give us a sneak peek into the actual data that the customer is going to get.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) it's bleeding edge. I'm actually the one building the prototypes, obviously with the help of some of the folks on our engineering team, but it's all bleeding edge stuff right now. But, you know, the summary of it is, is that what we're going to release is we're rolling up all of our data across all of our clients, across all the states, millions of data points, and we're just going to give it away. So I'll talk a little bit about what that looks like here in just a moment. But before we get there, let me just kind of explain the problem. This industry, on the whole, suffers from a lot of asymmetric information, and what that means is a particular practice owner only really knows the metrics around their practice. So they go get credentialed with an insurance payer. They also only know the numbers, whatever that payer is going to pay them. If they're lucky, they have a couple other friends that have practices of their own, and informally, they may trade emails, texts, or dinners where they say, hey, how much are you getting paid by that payer for this, vice versa? And then if they're really, really lucky, they're part of like maybe a a country club that has a couple of these, you know. The flip side of this is, is that more often than not, these practice owners are also members of trade groups. And I won't name names to cause any rifts, but if you're a practice owner, you know who I'm talking about. And those trade industry or those industry organizations actually prohibit you from asking on the master email list about those sorts of things. Like, hey, how much am I getting paid? So our idea is is to kind of expose it all. It should be fair. The point is, all this should be fair. If I'm a practice owner and I just got credentialed with a certain payer, I should at least know that I'm getting a fair payment that's in line with everybody else around me. So what we're really trying to do is kind of make a dent with this asymmetry of information. So for us, we've collected millions of data points around patient claims, patient visits, patient encounters over the years. And starting later this month, we're going to roll out a practice metrics or practice benchmarks report at the national level and at the state level. So if you can imagine it, you'll be able to click right into this report and see charts that represent the top 10 or 11 metrics that we think are important around your financial or RCM component of your business and you'll be able to drill down into that and say okay why well, I'm in Colorado for example how does that look you know and you'll be able to drill right into that obviously because sometimes national standards or metrics don't really match with Colorado or Florida or wherever you're at so practice benchmarks are going to be the first thing that go out the door i think it's safe to say we'll have something launched here within the next two or three weeks little sneak peek, I would say if you're listening to this and you want this little sneak peek, email hello at stratapt.com and I'll send you an early screenshot of it. After practice benchmarks go out, we'll be working on rolling out CPT level data, most likely, and then also payer level data. And again, you'll be able to go right into those reports at the national level. Hey, what is this payer paying? Okay, then drill down into the CPTs. What are they paying for that? Dig even deeper into the CPTs. What are the common combinations? That sort of thing. So, look, I think the reality is, or the summary of all this is, is that we're just going to expose the aggregate data, let you do what you do with it. Because we know these conversations are already happening. I mean, you know, you can jump on any of these private Facebook groups that PT owners have. And more often than not, at least twice a week or three times a week, in my experience, somebody somewhere on those groups is asking, is this fair? Am I getting paid the right amount? Am I doing this right? And the responses are really well-meaning but also limited in the data that they provide. So other people being helpful in those groups will say, well, I heard X or I get Y. And we just kind of want to make it much more objective. That's the thing about technology is that technology just sort of makes information much more symmetric. These days, you and I can actually look up what the U.S. Treasury bill rates should be. And now we know that by being, being able to Google that, I am less likely to get swindled by some finance person, you know, that tax on an extra 3% or subtracts 3% or whatever it is. So benchmarks are coming. First version's going out in the next two weeks or so. If you want to see a sneak peek, email me and I'll uh, send you a little screenshot.
0: (laughs) And to be clear, those will be accessible to anyone. You don't have to be a a customer of Strata. You can access it free on our, our website here in the next couple of weeks. Can you give a, maybe two or three of examples of what those benchmark data points may be?
1: Yeah. So let me start by saying that I truly believe information should be free. I believe it in my personal life, my professional life. We believe it here at Strata. So whether you're a Strata client or not is irrelevant. The benchmark reports will be free. They're always going to be free. There's no catch. Little caveat there. We might put like an email sign up form on some of the historical data, mostly to prevent scrapers and bots and, and sort of bad behavior and stuff like that. But other than that, you don't have to be a client. Actually, you can go to the placeholder page now, stratapt.com benchmarks. And right there, you can just sign up for notifications as we roll out those various reports. Now, in terms of examples, top of mind example for practice benchmarks would be what are the average number of units I should expect? per visit. Another one would be, what should the average reimbursement rate be per visit? Another one would be, who are the top payers in my geography? Another one is, what is the mean and median number of days that it takes for a payer to pay me? Again, at the national level and at the state level. So I can kind of riff off like 30 or 40 metrics across the different pages that we've got out there. But really, it's just, we're just exposing as much as we can I'm not going to tell you that we're going to have everything on version one, but the point is, though, is that like, because we're an integrated EMR and RCM, we've got insight into how a lot of other practices work. And obviously, we're not going to release anybody's private data, but I think there's so much value in being able to look at the anonymized aggregate data. So whether you're a small practice in rural Wisconsin or you've got 20 locations in in Alabama, that's irrelevant now. Who you know doesn't matter anymore because we're just going to give the information away for free. Even if you're not a client, that's okay. I want you to just print it out, staple it to your cubicle wall and just make sure that you hit the benchmarks. And look, if you're better than those benchmarks, come on this podcast. We want to talk to you. <laughs> I want to learn and we'll make our product better by, by learning from you as well.
0: Especially when it comes to the reimbursement rate, right? The understanding that and working up to that. I think that's one of our big goals is that people don't accept 80%. They don't accept 85%. They try and get that 99.99% and they'll see with a lot of our clients that's in the data that we have, that's what they're hitting and, and that's what's possible.
1: Yeah. This might be a separate topic for a different time, but one of the reasons why billers will often put a much higher value on the claim is just because they're trying to capture any additional payment amount that might be available. because. Here's how I explain it to my friends that are not in the healthcare industry. Is I say like, look, that thing that you got an EOB on that says that it was a $4,000 bandage or something, it's not $4,000. Nobody's saying it's $4,000. But hey, if you were in a situation where A, you know you might only get 80% of the claims paid, and B, you don't trust that you're actually getting paid the right amount by the payer anyway, what are you going to do? You're going to like raise... You're gonna just throw some big number on there. And I'm obviously exaggerating just a tiny bit, but you're gonna throw a big number on there because, hey, if they pay it, or even if they don't pay four grand, but they pay eight hundred and ten, that's probably more than what you thought you could get for it. And that's kind of unfortunately the state of the industry we're in. Like I it's almost like so it's interesting. Publicly medical billers, I think, or people that do medical billing are all like kumbaya and rah-rah. And they have to be, I guess, right? You know, you kinda don't wanna be the negative Nancy or the Debbie Downer, or whatever. But privately, you chat with these folks, and really everybody kind of agrees. This is medical billing is like throwing a dart on the wall in the dark and hoping, hoping you hit somewhere on the target. <laughs> Cause that's what it's like. You don't know if you're going to get paid. And even if you do get paid, you really have no idea if you're getting paid the right amount or the fair amount that your peers are. And that I think our benchmarks, if nothing else, if we can bring transparency here it's a win. Even if people don't become our clients, that's okay. The point of the benchmarks is not that. It's simply to just make the information free the way it should be.
0: Totally. So let's transition, Paul, to you've the last year or so you've talked to a lot of the Strata clients. We've talked about that on previous episodes. When you talk to them, when you talk to our customers about growth and how they're thinking about scaling their business and, and growing revenue... What is one of the number one things that they're trying to solve and accomplish? So
1: this is one of those simple questions that is really nuanced. But when I talk to our clients, one of the things I try to do very early in the conversation is, is try to get an understanding of what success looks like to them. And I see that because not everybody wants to grow. We have some clients that are like, hey, I'm good where I'm at. I just want to keep it going. And then we have some clients that are saying like, hey, I don't really want to grow. Like, I don't want a second or third location. I just want to make this location more profitable, more efficient, that sort of thing. And then we also have clients that say, I can't wait to add another location or another three location, or I'm going to add 15 more locations next year, that sort of thing. So I try to very early in the conversation, get that frame from them so that everything I talk about after that is relevant to them. So... For that first group of people, obviously, we're not going to try to make them grow if they don't want to grow. That's totally okay. We're just there when they need us, that sort of thing. That second group, where they might say, like, uh, I just want to grow my practice, but I don't want to, like, that doesn't mean I need a second location. I don't want to add five more therapists or anything like that. For them, we might get into operational metrics and talk about what the efficiency of their overall organization is and have a good conversation. Hey, your cancellation rate seems to be a little high or, Your average visits per occurrence or whatever is a little lower than the average in your area, that sort of thing. But arguably, the most interesting conversations is with that third group of clients that we have, where they might say, I want to buy or build one more location this year or three more locations in the next two quarters, that sort of thing. That's really fascinating. It's obviously a nuanced thing. But typically, when they're ready to have that conversation, they're already running a tight ship. They've been a client of ours for a couple months. We've helped them clean up. They've essentially gone from like that second bucket where they're just trying to like make the ends meet, make the numbers work or whatever. And I know I seem biased when I say what I'm about to say, but it's true. The way you can think as a practice owner when you're actually receiving 99% of your payments is very different. To put it a different way, the difference between a 99.99% reimbursement rate and an 80% reimbursement rate regardless of whether you do it in-house or through us, regardless, the difference there is barely making payroll versus actually having a profitable business that you can distribute cash from. So it's interesting to watch some of our clients go from, in some cases, teary, emotional, scared of missing payroll to 13, 15, 40 days later saying, I can breathe now. And now they can actually like look forward to whatever they want to build whether that's taking money off the table for their family or giving their employees raises or building location three. That may not be as punchy as maybe the audience wants, but it really starts by defining what success looks like to you. But your life gets a lot easier when you get paid.
0: <laughs> and I think it's nice too when we understand where the client is wanting to go, whether they want to stay the same, they want to just keep this one practice and continue to you know, grow it profitably. We can kind of say, all right, let's look at those metrics depending on what your goals are. Right, if you're wanting to grow five, six locations, you want to expand to another state, we can pull the data and look at your numbers and see, okay, this is you know where you're at right now. Here's where we think it, it needs to go based on what you're you're wanting to do.
1: Correct. Yeah, it's really interesting. I don't mean to segue, but but just on a related note, this reminds me of a conversation I had with a buddy of mine yesterday. His wife owns a practice, you know in the mental health space, and they do about 800 to a thousand visits a month, that sort of thing. But one of the reasons he called me was he said, hey, we're thinking about buying an OT practice. We've got the operational metrics from them, that sort of thing. Like we've been referring a lot of clients to them, but hey, can you tell me what the practice benchmarks ought to be so I know what I'm actually buying here? And it sort of dawned on me, I sent him a screenshot of like the benchmark reports that we're working on. And it dawned on me though, that if building or buying additional practices is on the radar for you as a practice owner, that's exactly where like our aggregate data should help you. Because obviously every seller of a practice thinks that their practice is the best thing, you know, on God's green earth. And, And it may very well be, but let's let the data decide that, not their ability to market or their broker's email list size decide that. But yeah, I mean, going back to like what growth conversations look like, it really just boils down to what does growth or what does success look like to you? And then we sort of tailor our, discussions with that going forward. And as we grow now, actually, if you look at the website, you'll see that we have four products. The first two are obvious, Strata EMR, that free software that we provide, Strata Billing, the plug-in turnkey billing product. But then we also have Strata Growth and Strata Capital. And what we're really talking about here is Strata Growth, that we'll actually be hiring some folks to join that team. Because between me and the account managers, we're a bit of a bottleneck. It turns out there's more clients out there that actually wanna grow if you open this topic with them. And we needed to put the data together, which is what we're working on now. And then over the coming months, we'll add a couple more folks to the Strata Growth Team and they'll be available for free to our clients to help them build the business, build the lifestyle that they want.
0: And when you're talking to those, those owners that have maybe three or four locations and they're looking to get to 10 or 12, what challenges or what is keeping them up at night currently right now? Is it a a capital thing? Is it a, we can't get enough customers to expand beyond that? What is the, the number one challenge there?
1: I would say if you've decided that you want to grow beyond one or however many practices you have, in my experience, there's really like three high level challenges that commonly come up in the people that I talk to. The first is, is, this fear that if you take your eye off the ball of your current business to just look into the future, there's this fear that what if operationally it falls apart? What if billing falls apart? What if some other metrics fall apart? So that's where we come in. Again, I know I'm biased here, but a big reason why our clients are able to grow is because they kind of know that if we screw it up, we also get hurt, right? Because our our revenue model is built around that. But anyway, concern number one, when you think about growth is really about gosh, if I focus too much on growth, will something in-house already slip? And so that for our clients, I mean, we've got clients that are, you know, adding three, five, seven practices a year. And I'll give you some references offline if you like guys, but they'll openly tell you that the reason they can actually do that is because they know we've got their house in order. So that's objection number one, usually. Objection number two is really capital. Hey, if I do find this right, thing or a place to buy or office to lease how do i pay for it now if you're getting paid everything you're owed in your in your existing practice more often than not that's not that big of a deal unless you're doing a really big transaction you might be buying 5 10 other locations well then that the capital tends to be that second concern and then i think the third is really just deal the deal itself if you're a practice owner and you're successful enough to kind of be in a position to be looking at location number two or 10 or whatever, you probably have some idea of what metrics should look like. So let's say you go find a target, due diligence is that third concern. But there's always this sort of like sliver of concern that they only know what they know about their practices. And hey, what if whatever this person provided me about their practice that I wanna buy isn't complete? Will I miss something? And that's one of the additional reasons we're putting our aggregate data together is that some of our clients want to expand beyond state lines to different parts of the country, that sort of thing. And being able to see real objective numbers rather than, hey, my buddy says X, is that thing. So to summarize, concern number one is, will my existing practice slip if I focus outwards? Number two, can I pay for this? (laughs) And number three, is this deal any good? is this company that I'm about to buy or expand into any good? And uh, I'm sure there's a million other concerns. But again, when I talk to these folks every week, I would say those are the top three things that it always rolls up into.
0: And a lot of these owners, who is their sounding board for those types of challenges and those types of decisions? Do they have advisors? Do they have multiple owners they can chat with uh, a board of directors? Who are they bouncing that off of? Because I'd imagine, especially a small business, right? You're likely not going to have a massive advisory team, or a board of director, that kind of thing, so it can be a bit lonely, I'd imagine.
1: I would say the vast majority of practice owners are getting most of their advice from the few other practice owners they know, and that's if those practice owners are willing to share the truth. So here's the blunt way I would say it, is that, and this is true of any industry, not just healthcare, but in general, if you go line up 10 business owners in any industry in a room and you say, how's your business going? They are absolutely unequivocally going to say, we're crushing it. We're killing it. We're doing really well. (laughs) And then you go put two beers in them or something like that. And you have a private conversation with them. And that's when the real truth comes out. Like, oh God, you know, I got this headache. I got that headache or whatever. So that's what I think most practice owners have to deal with day to day is that there's really no objective source of advice, data, mentorship, any of that stuff. Because everybody's got something to sell right so you've got these like consultants who obviously need to pay their mortgages and they're they're more than happy to charge you some fee for some sort of advice, which I'm not saying they're bad, but I am saying that their data set is still limited to some number of clients they have that are willing to share data with them anyway to answer your question very directly, the point is though is that most if not all practice owners don't really have a true objective third party That's guiding them on these things. And, you know, look, I'll admit openly, I don't, I have the same 24 hours in the day as everybody else. So I can't be everywhere at once. But going back to these benchmarks, it's yet another reason why we're releasing them. I'm a big believer that personally and professionally, your success is really a function of the number of things you try, the number of things you see, that sort of thing. And if we can kind of give away more data and and tip the scales on this asymmetric information, I think we're going to see a lot more successful practices, whatever they define as success over the next couple of years.
0: This goes in hand in hand too, with a lot of clinic owners are PTOTs first, right? First and foremost, and then they get into the business side of things. And I think that's a transition in and of itself. And then you take the transition from, all right, I've got one or two practices and I want to take it to the next level, right? Now you're... Usually, you're completely off the OTPT side of the actual health, taking care of patients because you're so you know, focused on growing the business side of it. And now, you're a businessman, you're a businesswoman, and that's a whole different skill set that the resources for that are limited in this space right now.
1: I agree with what you're saying, but let me say it a slightly different way. Look, I think people that go to school to become a doctor of some sort go through quite a bit to get there. They end up coming out of school, usually in a lot of debt. But they genuinely do that because they want to help people. I mean, that's why people get into medicine or some form of medicine, right? So they come into this industry with a load of medical training, uh, this huge heart, typically this desire to go help other people. And then they get into their own practice and they're faced with this harsh reality that the clinical side of the business is necessary and nothing else matters unless you can get that going, right? Right. But then there's this whole operational and financial side of the business that they've never been trained for. And the truth is, I don't think you need an MBA or some advanced degree on this stuff because, like, running a business, not just in healthcare, but everywhere, is really simple. Not easy, by the way, but simple. Like, I like to tell people that 80% of every business is the same. In other words, like, you provide some service and then there's just a bunch of stuff that has to happen across any kind of business, whether it's construction, healthcare, technology, whatever. You got to make sure you get paid, make sure you pay your bills on time, do payroll, do performance reviews, Da da So I think like, that's the thing, right? Is it like a lot of PTs, OTs, speech, and again, anybody in medicine, really, they go into school with a big heart wanting to help people. They come out after a couple of years with a lot of debt, but deep understanding of the clinical side of things. And then they start their business and then they're hit with this harsh reality that the clinical side of the business is obviously important because you got to treat patients. But there's this whole host of issues now that pop up when you think about the operational and financial side of the business. And they weren't trained on that. That wasn't a class they took in school. And it gets hard. Like, what is an account receivable report? What does it mean to be 90 days overdue? What does it mean to read all these financial reports? It's just, it's not rocket science, that's for sure. But it is jarring. And it's above both of our pay grades to talk about what they should teach in schools, right? But the reality is, I think it's sort of like a harsh sort of awakening when when people realize it. Like we've, to put it more directly, we've had startup practices that'll pop in and they'll jump on a discovery call with us. And within 30 minutes, they're like, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> I thought I was going to start a business. I'm not going to do it. And we're not trying to talk them out of it, right? But we do have to make sure that they understand that they got to do this, this, and this. And you got to dot that T or dot that I, cross that T, whatever. And they'll be like, no, I don't want to do that. But then we've had other clients who have started with us. And then because we've got their back, they just kind of grew. And if you want to call me out on that, email me and I'll send you some references. And you can call a couple of clients that are just right in that boat. They started with us. More often than not, we told them what to do. We told them which payers to go after, pointed them at the right credentialing people, that sort of thing. So the summary of all that, though, is, is that The operational side of your practice, like the financial and the operational side of it is so different than the clinical side. It's equally as important. You got to treat patients, of course, but you've also got to keep the house in order. And uh, whether you do it through us, that's great. And even if you don't do it through us, my hope is you'll use our benchmarks. You'll print them out, staple them to the wall and make sure that your team hits the same metrics that we do. And as long as you do that, I'm good. I'm not gonna try to sell you on something you don't need.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Strata Shorts. Strata is a single EMR platform and revenue cycle management service for physical, occupational, and speech therapy practices that helps you achieve a 99.99% reimbursement rate. If you'd like to learn more about Strata, head over to stratapt.com or email us at hello at stratapt.com.